0: message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at wwwcorner or by subscribing to our podcast. All right, I'm going to go podium today. <laughs> Whenever you speak, sometimes you get in a bit of a rhythm. You kind of get habits. And for those of you that don't know me, I... Do speak for a living, but let's keep the expectations low. I speak in a courtroom for the living for a living so usually there's somebody standing over here that I'm trying to convict and tell all about the bad things that they did, and that doesn't necessarily translate to to this so but one thing that I can keep the same is having a, a podium so uh, Pastor Bobby actually sent me a picture yesterday. Uh, and I wasn't sure whether he was taunting me or encouraging me, but it was a picture of his hammock that he was resting on, on the beach, uh, empty beach, a little bit of wind blowing, I could tell from the, from like the, the live video, uh, and he said that that was his place of rest. And he knew that I was preaching on the Sabbath today, so I, I guess he was trying to encourage me, but honestly, I was, just, I was, I was actually just a little jealous. Um, so many of us, we, we, could, we know the Ten Commandments. Um, many of us may be able to list all Ten Commandments. Uh, I know that for the vast majority of my Christian life, I knew that one of the commandments was keep the Sabbath because it's holy. Keep it holy. Um, and for the majority of my Christian life, I thought that meant go to church. Got it. If I can make it to church on Sunday, no matter how the rest of my week went, if I'm listing those ten, Check, all right. I might have failed on the other nine, but this week got—I I made it to church between eleven and twelve. I'm good to go. Um, but actually, that isn't what God is commanding, and that's not what the Sabbath is. And if you will turn your Bible, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter twenty, verses eight through eleven. And I'll go ahead and warn you—we're going to be flipping all through the Bible today, so don't get comfortable in Exodus twenty. But, uh, Exodus 20, verse 8, starts with, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in, a six, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, uh, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So let's go through this. Um, Let's begin with with a couple facts that are obviously clear. Remember to take a day off. Verse 10, do not do any work. Seems pretty clear. All right, don't do any work. Also in verse 10, it says, keep it holy. This is something that is separate. Holy means keeping it separate. It's not supposed to be like the other days. There's going to be six days, but one day needs to be different. It is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. It's to be directed to God. It's to be holy. And it needs to be something different about it. Also, right there, and this is this is one that that whenever you really start looking at it, I, I at least think is kind of surprising, but that it doesn't necessarily have to be on a Sunday, it says, "Work six, rest one." And I can go ahead and tell you, just from talking to Pastor Bobby about some of this, that Sunday is is kind of tough for him to, for it to be his Sabbath because he's working most of the day on a Sunday. His Sabbath is sometimes on a Monday. It doesn't necessarily have to be on a Saturday or a Sunday. A Sabbath has to be one day. Work six, rest one. And then also in verse ten. Who does this apply to? It casts a pretty wide net. Everybody. It's not just you and there's responsibility for you. It's also a responsibility for you or your son or your daughter, your male and your female servant, your cattle or your sojourners. So if your sojourners aren't keeping the Sabbath, then you're you're in trouble. I don't know about you, but I do a pretty bad job with my sojourners. Um, But... It is for everyone. It's for your entire house. So parents and kids, you don't want to take notes on this. There needs to be a day that we're not doing chores. All right. <laughs> there has to be. It's it's a rest for everyone. Everyone in your responsibility. If you're if you own a company, it's 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 for your employees. All right. I mean everybody knows who won the, who won a Chick Fil A this morning. I know I did because I always won it on Sundays. Couldn't get it. Um, it is for your children. It's for anybody in your responsibility. Okay? Um, obviously, the, the, another fact about the Sabbath from that is that it is based on God's rest in Genesis chapter 2. He created all of creation in six days, and in the seventh day, he rested. The fact that it's based on creation means that we should also be reflecting on creation. The fact that we need to be sitting back and, and reflecting on the other six days. And I'll get more to that later. Um, verse 11 also talks about how God blessed and hallowed the Sabbath. Uh, Psalm 23.2 was the verse last week. And it's pretty cool because I actually wrote a lot of this sermon about a year ago and uh, almost gave it one other time. And then the way scheduling worked out, it ended up coming down on this Sunday, and sometimes it's kinda of cool to see how the Lord works because Pastor Bobby ended up preaching on Psalm twenty three two last week about the Lord making you lay down in green pastures. And that segues perfectly with the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a commandment. He's not saying, hey, here's a green pasture, lay down in it if you want. He makes you lay down in the green pasture. It's a command. He blesses the Sabbath and how is it? Our blessing comes from God's grace. It's not our labor. We're not working to earn the Sabbath. The Sabbath is already there for us. It's a gift from God. And that's obviously clear from the Exodus uh, passage. Now, obviously, work work is good. We were actually made to work, and I can quote you verse after verse um, in the Bible about about work. Um, going back to, to Genesis 2.15, the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. That was one of the, it was the first task we were given. Cultivate and keep the Garden of Eden. To work. To tend it. Going all the way to Colossians 3, 23, three uh, chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. You don't have to turn to that. But whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord, uh, uh, as for the Lord um, rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Whatever you do, do your work as for the Lord rather than for men. Do your work. Work is good. Um, I think about one of the earliest things I try to teach my children is work, right? That there are certain chores. As soon as they're old enough to start doing some things, I try to come up with some things that they can do, like, hey, clean up the toys that you get out, right? Teaching them work and letting them know when they do a good job so they feel the satisfaction of that work. Um, whenever I first started practicing there was an old judge and every lawyer has a bar number and my bar number is six digits and every lawyer you probably know has a six digit bar number. This guy had been practicing so long his bar number was four digits. <laughs> All right. He passed the bar in 1955 and he had been a judge since well before I was born and what he would do is he would come into work every. Possible chance he got and we've all probably known someone like that in our lives who would work and work and work because There was just kind of an understanding that if they stopped working Their health might decline They wouldn't have a purpose. They wouldn't know what they're doing Not necessarily saying that that's always healthy, but that is something in our nature There's something in us that we have to have a purpose. We have to want to do something work is good. We're made to work um, Another example that came to mind was uh, our honeymoon, where Allison and I went to Jamaica. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's hard to imagine now, after eight years and two and a half kids into it, but, uh, but we, after about five, we loved it. We were at an all-inclusive Sandals Resort. It was amazing. But after about five or six days, however long we were there, we felt like that was the perfect amount of time because you can only sit around in paradise with with you know your, with all inclusive every you know all the food and everything you want for so long. Eventually, you do have to do something, and I know that's hard to imagine right now. But eventually, you do have to do something, and I got a feeling that Pastor Bobby's starting to get the itch now. All right. So, um, while work is good, work can also become an idol, though. Work. Uh, can become taking over our lives. When you spend six days or five days, whatever it is, doing something, you tend to focus on it, and you tend to wrap your lives into it. Earn more money, climb the ladder of, uh, of, of, of whatever the corporate ladder may be, satisfy some ambition that you've yet unearned, um, simply to try to become more fulfilled. And in America, we do this, Exceptionally more than I think other places because I think everybody's probably heard the line before, the business of America is business. So that's what, that's what we do. We work hard in America, and the numbers bear this out. Um, 22% of Americans report working six or seven days a week. 22%. Over 25% work over 50 hours a week. Uh, According to the UN, 85% of employed men report working over 40 hours a week, and 66% of women. Um, I kind of like this fact. Since 1950, the American worker has become 400% more productive. So a worker in 1950 had to work 40 hours for what we can get done in 10. Thank you, uh, computers. Uh, (laughs) But... One of, the, one of the ways that that, that kind of means is are we, are, we, are we working 10 hours a week? No. We're still working 40, and we still want a little bit more. One of the first things, um, oh, wait a minute, I had one more. 30% report doing, 30% of Americans report doing significant work while on vacation, which I thought was a pretty sad statistic. On vacation, 30% report doing not just any work, significant work while on vacation. One of the first things you'll learn in any economics class is that our wants are unlimited. That's day one of economics. Our wants are unlimited. We never get to a point, as people, where we have been satisfied. We always want something more. We want something to be more efficient. We want something to be cheaper. We want some fancier new gadget. As soon as the iPhone 6 comes out, we're super happy. Well, oh, that 7 came out. Now I need the iPhone 7. Oh, but now the iPhone 8 is out. And they keep you in that loop, too, every two years. Uh, So... Um, that's a truth that's in economics but it's a truth that's actually based in scripture and uh, it's in uh, it's nowhere more clear than in the book of Ecclesiastes Uh, Ecclesiastes is is one of these books that's that is full of wisdom and really gets to the heart of human nature and work and um, the uselessness of some of that work the fruitlessness of it Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 10 through 11. This is, um, this is Solomon writing this. This is the guy who's had the most money, uh, the most um, success. He is anything that was absolutely, anything that you could have had in your life at that time, Solomon had. He had lived the life of worldly success, the most money, the most pleasure, anything he wanted. And he's looking back towards the end of his life, and he's not... That fulfilled by it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, he says, All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all this vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Indulging in earthly things just hadn't satisfied him. It kind of becomes cliche to say, but nobody on their deathbed ever said that they wished that they spent more time working. It's not a thing anybody says. I kind of like the NIV version of that verse. It says, Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Meaningless. So chasing after the wind. And this is a man who, we can all sit here and we can start listing the things that we kind of want a little bit more of. I want a little bit more in savings. I want a little bit, um, maybe, maybe a nicer car. Boy, I'd really like to have just 500 more square feet to the house. I'd really like to maybe have a little bit of land with maybe, maybe uh, a pool. There's all kinds of things we can say we want. Here's the man who had everything. And he's telling us right here. It was meaningless. And the thing is, is that we can get caught up. I I don't mean to just say that that work is this way. Just the general responsibilities of life have a way of crowding at us. Okay? Um, I can think of my average day, wake up in the morning, get the kids ready. Um, If I'm lucky, I eat breakfast in the car while I'm taking the kids to, after after they've been dressed, and then I get them into the car, and then I can get one of them in the car seat while the other one's rooting around in the front seat and honking on the horn. And then I get that one into the back seat. Then I get them to where they need to go. Depending on the day, it's always different places. Then I get to work. I work all day. And then I come home and we eat dinner. We maybe have 30 minutes to try to have a little bit of fun as a family. And then it's bath time. And then it's laying out clothes for the next day for the kids then it's uh packing lunches that's always the worst it was when we realized we didn't pack lunches and it's like 8:30 and we're exhausted by that by at some point like by the time everything's done i have like 30 minutes of just Allison and i just staring at the wall because we're so exhausted because really we just put in a 14 or 15 hour work day and then we go to bed and then we do it all again the next day and that's just that's just life and that doesn't include the stuff of you know other things that come up. Some some nights, some nights are ballet lessons. Some nights are Wednesday night dinner, which is great, but that's another thing you have to do. Um, there's always something going on. Um, the busyness of life can crowd. It can crowd in. One of my favorite books is C.S. Lewis's The Screw Tape Letters, and it gets this point in very clearly, doesn't it? Where in that um, Screw Tape, who's the Who's uh, receiving this letter um, from from Wormwood? These are two, uh, two demons that are trying to figure out how to how to um, make this man stay away from the Lord. That's, that's basically the, the the idea of it. Is that to keep him busy? You don't have to. Fo- it's not the big decisions in life that someone's going to fail. You don't have to just commit a murder or commit a, a a bank robbery or something crazy like that in order to in order to make someone be fallen. All you have to do is keep them busy. Because it's in the quiet times that we tend to reflect. It's in the quiet times that we ask the big questions. Why am I here? Is there a God? What does God want from me? I mean, what, what, what am I doing with my life? Am I happy doing what I'm doing? Do I feel fulfilled? I got that promotion six months ago, but I really, am I really any happier about it? That, and that's, that's, the, that's the point C.S. Lewis makes just um, so well in the screw tape letters. And God knows this. God knows that, I mean, he, he created us. He created us to work, and he knows that we have a tendency to focus on these things and to let them crowd in on us and to let us uh, just focus so much on, on these, especially inconse, inconsequential matters. I mean, if I ask you right now, what was the thing you were the most worried about 10 years ago, you're not going to be able to remember. What was the thing that kept you up? Uh, a year ago What was the thing that That when you were driving in the car A week ago Kind of getting a little anxious twi- Twisting the steering wheel Do you remember what that was you, Maybe you do Maybe you don't But those things tend to just crowd us out And they become What our life is wrapped up in And God knows this And that's the purpose of the Sabbath That's the blessing of it Is that he gave us a day To say yeah work six It's good to work But you're going to get wrapped up in it. You're going to be stressed. You're going to get caught up in these temporal matters, things that matter to the flesh, things that matter for a day or a week or maybe even your life, but they're not eternal things. They're not things that are going to matter for all eternity. And that is why we have the Sabbath. And Scripture is very clear that that, that the Sabbath is a gift. So let's go over kind of what the sabbath is and I, and I guess the the easiest way to start defining the sabbath is what the sabbath is not first of all the sabbath is not legalistic and that should be very clear um, from just examples from from christ himself um, by the time of jesus's ministry there the jews had made it had made the sabbath extremely legalistic there was a whole complicated set of rules of how far you could walk what kind of work you had to do what um and they would do all kinds of things to try to cheat to be able to to technically keep the Sabbath, but they were caught up in the do's and don'ts of what you could and couldn't do. And Jesus just came and just, just knocked that just straight out. He said, no, that's not what the Sabbath is for. Jesus healed on the Sabbath in Matthew 12. Uh, he also taught on the Sabbath in Mark 6. And each time explaining that the Sabbath wasn't just a, a set of rules. Um... The Sabbath is also not directionless. And this is where we kind of get to the flip side of work. If we as Americans, we work hard, we also play hard. And the Sabbath is not just directionless rest. It's not just a day to nap. It's not just um, a time to to maybe order a pizza and watch Netflix all day. Okay, as fun as that can be. Um, I know that too often talking about like that, those, those 30 minutes that Allison and I might get after the kids get down and all the chores are done. Too often it's, let's pick up our phones, let's check Instagram, check Facebook, check Twitter, then go back to Instagram. Oh, hey, look at this funny post. And you look up at the clock and, oh, it's been an hour. It's time to go to bed. Right? Too often that's what our rest becomes. Our rest is something that, that is just mindlessly looking at a phone or... Um, I suppose the, the old way to do it was to channel surf. I don't know if anybody actually channel surfs anymore. Um, but uh, instead you go on to Netflix. And who here is guilty of when you go into Netflix, you spend more time looking for what you're going to watch instead of then actually watching something? Yeah, y'all know? Y- yeah, exactly. So you, you surf for like 30 minutes on Netflix, and then like you start it and you're 10 minutes in and it's time to go to bed. Um so, once again, it's, it's not supposed to be a directionless day. Um, modern Christians have a unique uh, challenge that the first almost 2,000 years of Christians never really had to deal with. For the vast majority of church history, we've had to work every single day just not to starve. Okay, Christians and the entire world we're generally poor compared to what we are now. You own two sets of clothes at best. Um, you, if you weren't working in the fields, you were going to starve. You know, um, living in like a mud hut or something like that. Um, going through the Middle Ages, there just there wasn't a lot of pleasure to be had. Um, just in the last fifty to hundred years, that's that's obviously changed. Electricity internet. Um, I think one of my favorite things is that when you look at the invention of AC with the population of the South, as soon as air conditioning was invented, the population skyrocketed. (laughs) We have so much more pleasure now And and companies are just competing over and over as much as they can to crowd out with those free minutes. Those whatever time you're not working, they want to suck that up as much as they can with entertainment and they want you to, to, to watch this and to, to play that game and get that whatever level of candy crush that you're trying to get to that's always unattainable. That's, that's what they want you to do. Um, we as Christians now have a duty on the Sabbath to not just take a rest because if we Used to on the Sabbath, you had to convince yourself not to work because you were afraid you were going to starve. Now we have to convince ourselves not to work, but also not to just go and play in directionless ways, in things that don't orient us back to God. Not to say that things aren't, not to say it's not good to watch Netflix, not to say it's not good to enjoy a restful time and to take a nap and to do those kinds of things, but it's a directional practice, the Sabbath is. That, that, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, But I think it's important to remember that technology can can separate us from the things around us. And just as work can kind of keep us focused on the things of the world, the things that are really temporary, technology can kind of do that too. So kids, earlier, whenever I was saying that you get that free day off from not having to do chores... Should also point out that the average teenager spends five hours a day on their smartphone. It's probably not good. So you can have the day off, but you maybe maybe stay off technology. So go outside. Um, so once again, it's directional, not directionless rest. It's an intentional habit that you need to form on exactly what kind of productive rest. It's going to be. So now let's look at what the Sabbath is for. Um, We know what the Sabbath is not. It's not legalistic. It's not directionless. But what is it for? What what does the Sabbath do? Um, There are three uh, things that that Scripture outlines. And the first one is in Exodus 20, chapter 11. Um, It reads that, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. God made heaven and earth and us. The Sabbath was created because God created us. Okay? Um, it's a day for us to reflect on creation, it's a day for us to reflect on all that god has provided for us all that he the 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 order that he sustains the fact that we can even breathe air the fact that the sun came up today and the fact that it's going to sun that there's going to be a sunset tonight it's the day to go and reflect and 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 in the beauty of what god has made the sabbath is there because of god's creation second reason scripture gives for the Sabbath is in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. It says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out here by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God saved us. The Sabbath is there for us to remember that God um, the salvation that God has, has given us. In this ex- particular example, the Jews coming out of Egypt. But it's also there for us to remember uh, that we have a Savior in Christ and the finished work that we have from Christ. That God gave his son to die on the cross for us and that every once in a while we we probably just need to just sit and dwell on that simple truth. And the Sabbath is the day to do that. The third reason that we have the Sabbath is in Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. It says that, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you, throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So we also have the Sabbath to remember that God continues to sanctify us. Sanctification. Sanctification. It's the process of us becoming holy. Of us becoming more Christ-like. The Sabbath is a day for us to sit back and and take inventory. Are we in a better position? Are we more Christ-like than we were last time that we rested? The last time we took a second to think about where we are in life? Are we... uh, how, How are we doing in our sanctification process? The Lord continues to sanctify us. Are we working the other six days of the week towards Christ? So we keep the Sabbath to remember creation, that God saved us, and that he continues to sanctify us. And if you're going through the week and you don't spend the Sabbath day, whatever day that may be, dwelling on those three things, then you're doing it wrong. We have to consider the fact that our security, our ultimate security doesn't come from our paycheck. Our sustenance doesn't necessarily come from having enough money to eat out at a good restaurant. God will take care of it. And our happiness does not come from the title on our business card. That's not where our ultimate worth is going to be found. The Sabbath exists to reorient ourselves from the burdens of the world to eternal truths. That's what the Sabbath is there for. It helps us to um, realize that there are just shallow, fleeting pleasures in this life. Sometimes they can be good pleasures... I like once again. I like Netflix. I like ordering pizza. I like going out and doing whatever it is that we can figure. We can think about doing when it's really hot outside, <laughs> and take the girls out and and, and, and enjoy the day. Um, and that's that's a good thing to do. But if I'm not if it's if, if I'm not getting reoriented towards these truths, then then it's all it's all for naught. Um, We have a tendency to, to forget these things. And that's why God created the Sabbath. Mark 2.27 says that, Jesus said, that the, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So God didn't make the Sabbath and then think, oh, I need to create men to, to, to do something on the Sabbath. No, he created the Sabbath after he created us, after he gave us our jobs, after he created our nature, our nature to want to work, our nature to want to work well. But we have to have a time of rest, a reorientation. The, the vision I kind of have in my mind of what the Sabbath is is that six days a week you're paddling in a boat, stewing a boat in a big ocean. And you're paddling and you're paddling and you're paddling furiously. And one day a week what you need to do is you need to put down the oars. You need to look at the stars and navigate are you actually going in the right direction? Or are you going into a storm? Are you going south when you should be going north? Have you started veering off course? Every once in a while, you need to take that rest and you need to consider the big picture of it all. Are you going in the right direction? That's what the Sabbath is for. Otherwise, you're just going to be focused on paddling really hard and the callous is on your hand. Every once in a while, just take a break. Look at the compass, look at the map, look at the stars. Consider where you are in the big picture. Isaiah 58, uh, verses 13 through 14 say that if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and honorant, desisting from your own ways, from keeping your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Don't go your own way. Don't fill the time with with directionless pleasure that that isn't focused on the Lord. Talking idly. Instead, take... Delight in the Lord, and I will make you right upon the heights of the earth. There was a study done um, of Seventh-day Adventists and Orthodox Jews. And if you're not familiar, those are two denominations or or religious orders that that, um, put an extra emphasis on the Sabbath. Seventh-day Adventists keep the Sabbath on the Saturday, and they're very strict with it. And obviously Orthodox Jews also very strict. They keep their Sabbath on the Saturday. And there was a study done on their average life expectancy. If you were to take a Sabbath day, one out of every seven days, that would be about 10 to 11 years out of your out of your life that you spent resting. And the average Orthodox Jew or Seventh-day Adventist had a life expectancy of 10 to 11 years longer than the average American. Now, you could probably go in and play with the numbers, or maybe a small sample size, whatever. It's too good not to mention, because essentially if that holds up, for every one day you rest on the Sabbath, that's a, that's a day added to your life. I, just, I found that to be pretty fascinating. So I'm going to leave you with some practical ideas on what to actually do on the Sabbath. Okay? Um, first off, pick a day that works. I know that there are some families in our, in our church that basketball season gets here or baseball season gets here or it's dance competitions or something, and Sundays just get filled up. And then, unfortunately, that's just where we are now. Sunday used to be kind of people would work around Sundays and not try to put things on Sundays. That's just not how it works. You may be in a season of life where it needs to be a Thursday or a Saturday or a Monday or something. The important thing is that, according to the commandment, work six, rest one. Now, it could be on another day, but, and this is kind of like preaching to the choir because you're all here, but go to church, <laughs> all right? Church is, church is uniquely, I mean, the church is on, is on the traditional Sabbath day. And church is there uh, because it does, it's supposed to be reorienting yourself to these truths about creation, about salvation, about sanctification. It's supposed to be orienting you to eternal matters, Okay, so go someplace where you're, where you're going to be fed. Be at church. Even if you're on vacation, still it may be a good idea to, to go to church. Go somewhere where you're going to be able to spend some time in quiet and prayer. Ricky and I were talking earlier before the service about how sometimes we just kind of want to fall asleep in church. And that's okay. It's not because we're bored or we're disengaged. But because, and I'm sorry, Ricky, I'm calling you out on this. Um, but because this is the first quiet time we've had in the entire week. This is the most calm... We actually have a resting heartbeat for once, right? Um, but church is uniquely equipped to give you that. You should never feel better and more rested than at about 12 o'clock whenever you walk out or... that's eh, it's probably going to be 10 after today. But um, you're, you're going to feel more rested after church. Um, unplugged from technology. Kind of railed on it a lot today. Uh... Technology isn't bad. I mean, I'm as, gu- and Allison will tell you, I'm as guilty as anybody of looking at this thing all the time, okay? But unplug from it because that's the kind, it's, it's, it sucks away your time, um, sucks away your energy. I, there are, uh, study after study has actually shown that there are increase, increased um, incidents of anxiety and depression that correlate with screen time usage, it's not, it's, it, this, is, this is essentially a diet of candy. And what you need is a diet of vegetables and fruit, okay? Go out and, and, and do something else other than be in your phone, be on TV, get away from the screens, unplug from technology. Even in secular circles, they've created this concept of a, of a tech Sabbath. They actually adopted the Christian term for Sabbath to apply it to a completely secular idea of just unplugging for a day a week. Um. Think ahead. Uh, Jewish Sabbath has always been on on Saturday, and Friday has often been called preparation day, and that's because they have to prepare on Friday to take the day off on Saturday. So we have a we have a weekend. We have Saturday and Sunday. Cut the lawn on Saturday. Don't say okay that that, that I can do that after church tomorrow. Maybe go ahead and empty the dishes on Saturday. Go ahead and vacuum, get the chores done. Do that kind of stuff on a Saturday so that on a Sunday you're not being clogged up with chores and you're not being clogged up with the kinds of things you, you, that just have to be done. Okay, So prepare. Um, spend the day serving. One of the things that, that, that my family, just it fills my heart every time we do it, is when we go pack book bags that I serve. And I serve oftentimes does that on Sunday afternoons after church. And that's a great way for the whole family to be together and to be out doing something and we're able to have a conversation with our kids on why we're doing it and to just be filled with spirit of helping others. And and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be I serve. There's all kinds of opportunities out there of just being able to to serve and, and um, have that experience of being able to pour out. Because too often we're just too busy. I can't stop. For, for X or Y or you know for, for something going on on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday because I've got to go pick up the kids or i got to get to work. Take a day to be able to slow down and serve others. Um, spend it with family. You, sometimes it's, it's just sad when I total the number of hours I get to spend with my wife and kids throughout the week because so many of our waking hours we're out doing other things. So be sure you're spending that day with your family. and Be sure, um, parents, you're spending that building up your children raising them uh, to, um, to see what it is to have a godly father, father and mother. Maybe that's through serving. Maybe that's just through having a conversation with them. Maybe that's when you can take a break. Because to have a deep conversation with Cadence takes about an hour. That's my oldest. She's four. And, it, it, and that girl can, can drag out some, some deep conversations. I don't have time for that nonsense on Thursday <laughs> at, at 7.30 i got to make time for it. Sabbath is a great time for that. Um, spend it in creation. Remember, we, we talked about creation being one of the purposes for the Sabbath. Spend it in creation, out on a hike, um, being outdoors, being in uh, the creation that God has made. That goes with unplugging and spending the day with the family. Go, and, and go, go to the park, go up to the mountains, take in um, just, just a beautiful creation that God has made. Um, and lastly, spend significant time in prayer. Some, I'll, I'll be honest, some, some weeks I can go a couple days and think, you know what, I haven't actually sat down and had a serious time of prayer all week. That, that, that can be tough sometimes. But if there's one day that you do it, make it the Sabbath day. Make, it, make that the time that you can really sit down and have a quiet time, a conversation between you and the Lord where you're praying and then you're just sitting there quietly and reflecting on, on God. And with that, I want you to bow your heads in prayer with me now. God, I uh, we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath. Lord, we thank you for all of our blessings. We thank you that so many of us uh, have a purpose throughout the week, that whether it's a job, whether it's our family, whether it's... Uh, whether it's any number of things that we're involved in, Lord, we thank you for for work and we thank you for the satisfaction. And God, we thank you that we live in a time where we're just so materially blessed by so many things. But Lord, we pray that those things do not crowd out your command of taking us back. Lord, press upon us the need to work. I mean, the the need to rest. Lord, press, press upon us the need to to have that be a directional rest, not something that that we uh, that we don't really think about. But Lord, how to reorient ourselves towards you? Lord, help us to um, to put down the oars in the boat, to look up at the stars, reflect on your creation, reflect on the direction that we're going in life, reflect on whether we're going towards a storm, whether we're going the wrong direction. Reflect on the eternal destination of us and our family. Whether we're moving forward in the sanctification process. We're becoming more and more Christ-like. Or if we're just just caught in a rut. God, we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath. I just pray that you would give us the will to, to do these things. Give us the will to to understand how important it is, so important that you included it in your Ten Commandments to us, Lord, and that it's all over the Bible, the importance of doing this. Lord, to press upon us the necessity of rest and resting in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.